0: Hi, I'm Grant Vickery, and this is a brand new podcast called Two Dads Named Grant, and the reason it's called that is because I'm here with my co-host, and you are? I am Grant Overman. Grant, Yeah, you're Grant Overman, that makes makes so much sense, perfect. Okay, so um, I'm not sure where to really begin with this podcast, because we haven't done it before, but um, one of the things that we had talked, because we've talked a lot about like guy stuff, and... Uh, and I'm a, I'm like a brand new dad. You're, you're already a dad. I guess you're kind of new too, right? Uh, um, how old is Zach?
1: Zach will be 18 months in like three days.
0: Okay. Okay. So he's young enough to still be month counting, but that seems yes. old to me because my child is, is not yet born. Yeah. So that's
1: a year so, and a half. If you're like me and you <laughs> stop thinking about what month it was a long time ago, right? <laughs> things are supposed to be years when they're human beings. Cause we live uh, a relatively no. long time.
0: Uh, so I I'm a dad to Republicans. I'll be a dad in a number of months to Democrats. It just depends. Um, but uh, or just <laughs> not one, to get hopefully, political right off the bat.
1: <laughs> yeah, unless there's uh, something you haven't been telling me, but, you'll be a parent to one Democrat.
0: No, 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 no. I'll I will I will be a par a parent in the consideration of democrats because right now i'm not a parent i'm just the founder of anyway i should not go down that that tells you how
1: much i care about that that it didn't even register
0: me i guess yeah one one day we'll (laughs) we'll talk about it that's for the episode 100 if we get to 100 (laughs) episodes we'll do an episode on pro-life and pro-choice and everything in between um although there, that that in between areas is, is not You're just populated very well. Pro and uh, yeah. maybe uh, so we you and I have both talked for a long time about kind of guy issues. Uh, that's uh, that's so vague that I it's, it's yeah, too it sounds open like to we're talking about weird personal me
1: medical issues when we put it like that. <laughs> right. It's not necessarily right. exclusive like or right. of those issues but
0: no uh necessarily no. But um <laughs> What okay, so let me ask you this question initially, and, and this is one of the things that I, I texted you earlier, so I expect you to have a canned and ready response. Absolutely. Why did you initially want to do this podcast? Because I know why I wanted to do it, but I'm not sure why you wanted to do it.
1: Um, I wanted to do it just because you know, the purely personal reasons because we're good friends and I enjoy our conversations and we've talked about various podcast topics for a long time, and I just thought that it would be a fun personal challenge to see if I could stay on one topic coherently that long <laughs> um, with my yeah, good friend. That'll but be, beyond, that'll that, be interesting. beyond that, this specific topic is obviously just a pretty important part of my life. But I would say it's something that I think about a lot given our general cultural moment, given my place as a white, heterosexual, gender-normative man – So it's kind of – you know I check all those boxes of privilege, and I have no idea what's going on, and it's time for me to just shut my mouth. And I have a really hard time doing that. And so I wanted to say something, but not to rail against the injustice, but to kind of think, okay, what's the appropriate way to have conversations about hard topics when you're maybe someone not a lot of people want to listen to? And then also I'd say my wife's a marriage and family therapist, so we talk a lot about relationships and parenting and gender Mm -hmm. roles. It's just what she thinks about a lot, and she's – works right. on a college campus. So she does a lot of premarital or just young relationship counseling. And I see a lot of people. Yeah, can those. I stop
0: you for one second? Yeah. I want to ask you a question. Did you guys do premarital counseling? We did do premarital counseling. Yeah. Did you like your premarital counseling? Cause I'm get my guess. And, and I'm just going to, this is a, I don't know the answer to this question. This is a full guess is that you really liked your premarital counseling because you really trusted your premarital counselor and you felt like they had a really like keen insight into not only who you were, but what kind of person you wanted to be. Am I right? Close. I don't think that
1: I would say he had a keen insight because what he was doing was pretty obviously a um, – like he had it down what he went through with most couples. Right Okay, uh, yeah. okay. that's fair. It was, it was open to our individuality, and he definitely talked about that. But I think what I appreciated about him was that it was very much I will facilitate these conversations, but I want to start you thinking about this, and then you guys talk about them. And then if you need me to insert myself into those conversations, that's fine. But I mean especially on – and you know this being – an alumni of, of alumnus of the same university you know at a conservative church of christ christian college and, or university there's a lot of people getting married much younger than they typically do in the rest of the country and so there's a lot of we have to get married now and nothing's really going to stop that even if maybe it's a good idea to wait right and so i think he knew his message wasn't going to be received being sent to people like hey maybe your relationship isn't good and more here. <laughs> Here are tools and questions to ask throughout your relationship that will keep you from being oblivious to the problems you may or may not have.
0: Sure. So, sure. I, so, I thought he did uh, a pretty
1: good job balancing those two things.
0: Can you guess how I felt about my marriage? And I just imagine you
1: hated it the entire time, and I hated, briefly I thought about writing your own time. premarital counseling.
0: I briefly <laughs> thought about writing my own premarital counseling. Yeah, exactly. No, because I. So we I'm laughing, in, but in, maybe in, it was awful. Uh, uh, I sincerely
1: believe it could have been. Who was it? What? I said I'm I'm laughing at you, but I also sincerely believe it might have been awful. That is certainly a possibility.
0: It really no, it really was awful because um I think it was apparent pretty pretty immediately that I didn't like this person because I've I felt like this person and I and I I can't remember who it is, so I'm not like pointing a finger at anybody, right? Right. But there was like this canned very religious material and it felt very supportive of traditional gender roles and that's Mm. part of why i want to get around to answering the question i asked you just a minute ago in in in, in just a second but there were these very canned traditional roles and also he said like i think that the biggest problem with your marriage is going to be that you're emotionally unavailable to me and he was probably right and that really pissed me off (laughs) so (laughs) from that moment on i was just like i'm done with you Oh, that's um, funny. Because I feel anger very strongly, and I communicate it very clearly. So, obviously, I'm emotionally available. Well, and that's nobody – right?
1: I would think any ther- – I know my wife, who is a therapist worth her salt, but any therapist worth their salt, I would think would say nobody likes the shrink kind of stereotype where it's like, oh, I've known you for five seconds, and I know this important thing about you. Sometimes maybe that's yeah. true, but you don't just, like, throw it out there. No one likes that. you got to – Pretend like it was revealed well, and I, I felt, a little more naturally. I mean, and i
0: I felt this from a number of people. And we'll and, and this is actually a justified opinion from these people, which is why it hurts to hear. But I married up. Um and I know you did as well. But and and guys like to joke about that, right? Like that that's the standard joke for guys to go to. Yeah. But in my case, it's very specifically and actually true. <laughs> um so <laughs> and I think everybody could sense that. And I think in many ways there were many uh, uh, counselors and teachers who were urging my wife to look elsewhere but i like to think i've i've become the man that my wife may have considered marrying if she were a rational person that's what
1: i think. I mean i think if we all were 100 percent honest when we get married very few of us would actually look at the person that's standing in front of us and be like oh yeah this is you're you're done with the work on yourself
0: no that's very true you've got nothing was, you got nowhere a to complete go complete mess I got married with a negative $200. I can't believe, I honestly, like, if my daughter or son were to marry someone like I am, or I was when I married Jess, I would be absolutely furious. I would be like, how could you marry this mess yeah. of a person?
1: Well, it's the problem um, with life, right? Is that you don't get to live it and then go <laughs> back and do it again the smart way. You kind of have to just do it where you are. And
0: That's that's very true. Let me answer this, this question that I asked you, that why do I want to do this podcast really quickly? Yeah. Um, and, and then we can move on to other things. But I want to do this for a, a number of reasons, one of which is very similar to your reason, which is I feel like that the definition of manhood or masculinity, it's changed and, and not changed so much in the way that like it's gone from A to B, but it's gone from A to some jumbled alphabet that we're not sure about. Right. And so I think it's ill-defined and most of the work that I do in my academic work Uh, is is rhetorical and largely related to defining terms clearly. So when we think of this term, that's a huge term in terms of like identity and psyche and personality, which is masculinity or being a man, that term being ill-defined really throws uh, uh, culture into chaos, I think. And I feel like it's ill-defined right now. So I really want to get to the core of like what that actually means now, because it doesn't mean Ward Cleaver anymore, right? Right. A man who's insecure because his wife makes more money than him, or a man who is insecure because his wife has male friends, we would now look at as kind of like, I would look at that as pathetic. Right, Right. Absolutely. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, absolutely. But I think also, you know, there's a mistake in general that if we define something, we have somehow limited or. excluded others' experiences, even if they don't fit into it nicely, or we've pretended they don't exist. So even to define gender, right? I mean, there's a lot of good research. There's a lot of good and bad conversation about just what is gender, how much of it is social, how much of it is biological, all that. And I don't think that's really what we're here to like, oh, well, let me put these hard limits on it. But it's, you, you, I think, can approach a topic honestly and try to put some parameters or some guidelines or even just a direction. Towards it, Yeah, you know, I'm without, more interested without in, saying, in well, terms. Yeah, so-and-so so can't be a part of it. So I, I think a lot of people hear definition and they think, oh, well, you're trying to say these people are in and these people are out. I don't think it means that. I think a good no, definition not at all. is a – what's the it's old – It's dynamic and flexible. It, it's the Tolkien thing, right? It's, it's applicability versus allegory or whatever, right? Like, which is not a perfect metaphor, but it doesn't mean X is always Y, but it means, you know, we can take X and put it – and find X in this context and find X in that context and –
0: Right. And I think if we can talk about it with a little bit of grace and clarity, then what we'll have is not necessarily an agreed upon definition because you and I probably are not going to agree about this. I'm coming from a very right-wing place and I think you're more center and and every everything that's center to me looks like the left, so you're center left to me. <laughs> but even though you're, you're probably right. really uh, relatively center, but I think if we can talk about it rationally to a degree. Sure. Then what we'll have is a a language and a toolkit for addressing issues. Because you're right that it's it's never going to be black and white for an individual. And I think that's one of the core things that's changed about the definition of what being a man is now is that that preset list of characteristics that you can sort of check off, that's gone. Right, it's right. it's a it's a dynamic thing now, and it's contextual and situational. So you can't just be like, well, I smoke cigars and I like football and I drive a sports car and I am intolerant of my children and the only emotion <laughs> I express is anger right. and therefore I am a man, right? But I, also I'm the breadwinner, right? So I have I have achieved masculinity. That doesn't cut <laughs> it anymore, and I think it did for a long time. I think that was that was kind of. The standard, and I think that's gone. So there's a vacancy to me in terms of clear language to talk about a core cultural concept that affects at least half of everyone, but more than that, right? Because even if you are not a man, you deal with men, right? You're either married to one or you know them. You at least had a dad, right? Even if he's not in your life. So everybody is connected to men in some way. So I think it's an important cultural issue to discuss. And that's why I wanted to start this podcast. Because I, and It's a little bit selfish too, if I'm being honest, because I think of somebody who has successfully navigated these very difficult waters and you're on like a very short list there. And so when I found out that my wife was pregnant, I was like, okay, I need to start thinking about this in a really serious way. And I wanted to talk with you about it. So really, this is a big research project for me to figure out how to be a dad. Oh, I would, yeah, I
1: would 100% agree with that as well. Just, I mean. There's a lot of things with my very, even very limited parental experience. I thankfully don't have to explain a whole lot of stuff to my son because he's just still learning single words, right? You know? Um, mm-hmm. But at some mm-hmm. point, I'll have to like explain to him things. And not only in a vocabulary a child can understand, but then how do I, ex- you know, the changing definitions of things over time or how, I, that's the thing that scares me. It's like, well, if I don't have, especially when you're a kid, you believe your parents have 100% conviction about everything they tell you, unless they yes. tell you otherwise. Oh. And usually we're too well, scared no. to kill And you. mine
0: did too. Yeah. I'm just not. Right, <laughs> not to, usually to them we're too the scared to tell our kids that we have
1: any kind of yeah. doubts because like, if yes, we, that's true. I, that's true. For some reason, a falsely confident roadmap is better than a slightly ambiguous one. I don't know. So I would say that's another goal or reason for this to me is to kind of work on articulating some of these ideas so that when my son is old enough that I either need to teach him or show him what it is to be a good man, I would be better at that. And then if I was going to explain that to him at some point, you know, what does it mean? To be that i would like to be able to do that a little bit more intelligently and clearly than i think many of us do and without resorting to cliches um not that tradition or old ways of thinking are completely devoid of meaning but a cliche by definition doesn't have a lot of depth or anything going for it right right
0: well cl- cliches have lost their meaning because of repetition so even if there is meaning i was uh oh man How technical do we want to get? As technical as we want. It's our podcast, whatever. Um, I was in a GTA training session uh, uh, this past week, and a sociologist um, from Greece was there doing our training talking about uh, ethnography and how you do an ethnography. Ignore any words there like ethnography or whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, The point is that she was talking about how you don't see your own culture and the invisibility of your own culture yeah right and so i think this is the danger of relying on cliches to explain what masculinity is is that by definition whatever truth is in that cliche is invisible you can't see it because it's a cliche so you need to utilize some kind of fresh metaphor this is uh uh, some kind of new terminology that doesn't rely on that cliche because the cliche, cliche is by definition devoid of meaning yeah it's invisible because it's cliche
1: absolutely I think which
0: as let's pivot slightly, if you're okay with that, because we're uh, um, discussing ad nauseum, I think, or at least in danger of it. Um, I wanted to ask you as well um, that and and we've talked about kind of what our topic is that we're going to discuss this definition of masculinity and how to be a good man, which is something we would want to teach our sons or teach our daughters to recognize uh, whatever the case may be. Um, and also something that, uh, um, or rather, uh, if that's our topic, then what is the goal of that topic? That was the other question that I wanted to right, ask you. Yeah. Well, one of six that I've written down is so by discussing this, what do you hope to achieve? Like, is this something you want your son to listen to, or is this something for a general audience? I'm, I'm curious what your approach is,
1: man. I, you know, I hadn't considered him listening to it. That's kind of a weirdly vulnerable, uh, Thing. So I may need to try to sound oh, a lot smarter so, than I sorry. normally do. No, that's okay. Sure that I, would be, I would hope I could produce something I would be proud for anyone to listen to. I, my biggest goal, I think, is to have a honest and coherent and sincere conversation about these kind of things. Um, and to hopefully create a place either for any potential listeners, however many or few they may be, or even if it's just for the two of us, to talk about these things without shame. And to kind of explore yeah. them and move oh, through gosh. them without that—that
0: that merits discussion yeah, on its
1: own, right? And and without without sounding, you know, like oh, the PC culture, no one can say anything anymore. But I do think sometimes there is a fear, especially putting yourself out in any kind of media or social media, of if I say something I think, and I don't either couch it in every single possible caveat that hey, look, if there's anything anyone takes any offense with this, then I am going to completely 100 percent back off. But just to be you know, we ought to be able to free to be in process, right? Like I might think something, but that doesn't mean I'm going to think it forever. I might have conviction about right. something, but I could also be open to change. And so I think that's really hard for men that doesn't fit those stereotypical definitions of manliness that we just talked about. Um, I think introspection and talking about your emotions and worrying about things again, are, are hard to do. So, if I could be so arrogant as to say, to try to set some of of an example, even if it's an example of, Hey, look at this, you know, bumpkin stumbling through this idea. (laughs) If he's brave enough to do it, I could be do it. Um, but maybe arrive at some sort of wisdom. Well, and and
0: as far as setting an example goes, this is not, and I mean, like we should, we should provide some context for what we're doing right now. If you are like the one person to listen to this, that isn't my wife because she feels bad for me, then (laughs) We don't have an audience. We're not approved on any RSS feeds to get this online anywhere. There's there's no one specifically that we're talking to. And so the motivation here I think is genuine for both of us. One, there's a pipe dream that I'll be able to quit my job and make a million dollars talking with my good friend Grant, which <laughs> I would do anyway. That would be great. That's not going to happen <laughs> though. Like that's the pipe dream. That won't happen. Yeah. So the motivation and the reason that I think we've both agreed to do this is exactly what you're talking about, which is I, I have a degree of – anxiety about what kind of dad I'm going to be. And there is an element of shame to not knowing, right? I remember, I remember growing up and like something would break. And this is this speaking of cliches, this is a cliche. So I'm going to try to couch it in, in non cliche terms. (laughs) I want you to imagine what it's like to look at something that is totally incomprehensible to you. It's, it's a complete mystery. You don't understand how it works or why it works and it's not working and then your dad looks at it walks into the garage grabs some things that you don't recognize and don't understand pulls the thing apart adjusts something put it back together and then it works and you're observing this and you have it's what just happened is a complete and total mystery and you can see on your mother's face complete pride and you look at your brother and both of you are thinking like what on earth just happened Right. And, and growing up, that was my dad. Right. Cause he was really great at fixing stuff. And my dad was also, I think he's a preacher. Right. So I would, I would talk to kids in elementary school. who would be like, I don't know what my dad does for a living. And I was like, how do you not know? <laughs> right. Because for me, I went to church and I would see my dad and I, that's, I see him doing his job, right. See him performing his job. And so there was this clear idea of what a dad was growing up. And all of that has been turned around for me because I'm going to be a dad. And I'm mm. thinking, like, I can't fix the things. I don't know how to do that. Right. Right. I don't know that I have the answers. How do I explain to my child what I do? Right. I'm I'm writing a whole dissertation trying to justify what I do, but I can't explain it. So there's this whole ball of anxiety. And I think if I have a single goal with this podcast for, for whatever person is listening beyond, you know, the pity listens from family, it would be this to say that, like, Whatever point you're at, whatever anxiety you feel, like I'm, I'm also feeling that anxiety. And the only important thing is not whatever conclusions you draw, but rather the willingness to say, I'm anxious and confused about this and I'm going to try. And so yeah. to me, this is the manifestation of that attempt in the hope that somebody who needs to experience that or needs commiseration or needs empathy on that can also listen to it and be like, okay, that's for me too. And not only if you're going to be a dad, but like if you're just a guy who's in your 20s or 30s or 40s or 90s or whatever, and you're like, I don't know how to do this anymore because the definition's changed. Anybody who's anxious about it, that's kind of who I'm thinking of as the audience, right? Yeah. Anybody who is not 100% certain of themselves, which is a big audience because I don't think anybody actually is, and I don't think anybody really should be. So
1: definitely. And if we're, I don't know, we're that, talking, was a,
0: that was a spiel.
1: No, but that, I mean, I would echo that a hundred percent. I mean, just to finish up on the goal, if, if don't say,
0: don't say echo, it reminds me of of youth groups, dark times. (laughs) Oh man. Dark dark times. If
1: I get nothing else out of this, then I have made the choice and acted out, not going it alone, you know, and having had a conversation about that with somebody else that cares about me and that I care about, like that would, that would be fine too. Uh, speaking of audience, I think I would agree when I was thinking about that, like, who would I want to listen? To if I could pick anyone to listen other than everyone in North America, cause it would mean I would be fabulously wealthy. Um, you would I, be, I,
0: we'd I, have to set up a Patreon first, yeah. which we'll do so that van can give you a dollar. Oh, that was our inside joke. Don't do inside jokes on the podcast. I made this note for myself earlier. <laughs> oh, well, um, I, I think the
1: audience for me, yeah, would be anybody that feels like they either don't know how to start a conversation or don't have someone to talk to. Because don't we often feel like – I know I feel like this all the time where it's I want to ask a question, but I am I should have known that already. So if I ask that question, it's clear I don't know anything. <laughs> so I need yeah. to ask the next question that right? demonstrates yeah. a, a, you know, a fledgling mastery of this topic or something like that. And when it really you ought to just be able to ask the question. <laughs> I have never had someone ask me a question or ask me for help. Um, I might have felt perturbed because I was momentarily inconvenienced, but I can't think of a time I've ever thought, well, you are an idiot for even needing to ask me that. I've usually always thought – I would be happy to help you, or I don't think about it at all. So I should have a little bit less anxiety about doing that myself. And I would right, like for may, the maybe, audience to be that way Maybe you and I too. have never
0: felt that way though, because you and I are both so stupid that we're not smart enough to actually judge anyone in that way. You know, that's, if that's the case, that's a reality. I'm happy with that. That's a reality that being we need to reality. watch out for. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I'm okay that's with fine. that. I just now discovered um, that everything that I've been writing about is based on stuff that I had never read. So for, for my school stuff, like I have to go back and read like all this stuff that I've never, and I don't understand it. And it's a nightmare. So I can empathize with feeling stupid. (laughs) I I got an email from my director today, uh, the director of my dissertation. It was like, you need to come talk to me because I need to understand exactly how behind you are. And I was like, that's good. We should establish that. We should figure out how, how I am so far behind. Uh, I do, I do have one more question here. Well, I have two more questions, but one of them is too inappropriate to read and I won't do it. That was your question. You came up with it. It wasn't me. Um, but the other question I have is, so have you talked to Michelle about doing this podcast at all? If so, what have you told her? Um, I
1: have a little, little bit now to be fair. It's probably about the 10th time I've said Grant and I have an idea for a podcast or Grant has an idea for a podcast. That he wants me no, to No, you were
0: on board with this one I was. No, like, I am. Right off the bat. It's, it's Don't, never, you can't pin this on no, me. No,
1: I wouldn't say any of your ideas have ever been like, oh, I wouldn't do that. It's just she's heard it so many times that probably <laughs> it was i I'll believe it when I hear it type thing. Um, I'll send it
0: to her first.
1: Right. And so I think that – I mean we talk about this all the time, just this kind of ideas and gender roles and how that matters politically and how it matters for our son. And again, she's a marriage and family therapist. So we spend a lot of times talking about our feelings and our relationship, which is uh, a blessing. And I may sometimes Mm -hmm. say that sarcastically, but it's probably the single biggest blessing in our life that at least one of us somewhat knows what we're doing when it comes to that, because I certainly don't. Hmm. Um, so there's another goal for the podcast, maybe, you know, give some men some emotional vocabulary, uh, so they can actually tell their wives what's bothering them. Uh, other than I, you know, I'm tired and I'm mad for, uh, but she, she said that. She was like, oh, that's a good topic, I think. You know, kind of like, okay, if you do it, that'll be oh, good.
0: We have an endorsement from a marriage and family therapist. Right. I just want to yeah. go ahead and
1: put that on the table. As yeah. We have that endorsement. And then, and then last night she looked at me and she said, but if you want to do this in order to become a better husband, shouldn't I be the one on there telling you what to do? And then she laughed at herself for what uh, I thought make... was an inappropriate <laughs> amount of time. But, you know. Well,
0: I, I, I concur. No, uh, <laughs> she can make a list if she wants uh, <laughs> I guarantee you that it, lists, uh, you know what? it
1: exists somewhere, even if it's just I'm in her sure head. I'm sure it now. does.
0: I am so close to in danger of getting in trouble. So I'm just going to stop that line of thinking right there. Um, <laughs> my wife hasn't commented at all about the content. She has said, you have a different voice when you're trying to do a podcast. You have a podcasty voice, uh, which is true. I am often doing my best Roman Mars. So uh, there is that. Um <laughs> So I have I actually have a, a surprise question something that I haven't talked to you about before that I wanted to bring up. I love surprises. Um, yeah, so uh, this is something that I wanted to talk about that I I feel honestly pretty good about. I don't I don't have a lot of individual questions about this, but um, I thought it'd be something that would be at least beneficial to talk about. So we do have as an aside like fifteen articles. Well, five. Um, one that I posted, and then the rest that you posted, um, but uh, um, we can get to those if we want to later on. This is already stretching on. Uh, oh, we're only at, we're only at thirty minutes. That's not terrible. Um, a couple of months ago, mm, let's say maybe it was, it was almost a year ago, I would say. Um, I was having a conversation with someone, and someone close to me and we were talking about what was in my future and um, I teach English. I think I've mentioned that like 11 times now, but anyway, I (laughs) teach English um, at the collegiate level and it's uh, um, a small private Christian school. It's not great pay. Uh, I love the job. I love what I do and I love the place that I work, but it's not fantastic pay. And my wife has for the past three years, um, three Well, yeah, about three years she was in law school and now that she's done with law school, if we were to identify a breadwinner, it would unequivocally and absolutely be her by uh, um, we would need exponentials to represent that. Right. So she makes what I would characterize as decent, like American money. As a law clerk like a livable wage and I make what I would characterize as a loan supplemented wage while I'm still in school mm. anyway um, this person who I was having this conversation with asked me are you okay with that that was the that was the question is are you okay with that with essentially your wife making a lot more money than you which to be fair again is not exceptionally hard I've done the math on it and I think I earned more money per hour cleaning carpets in high school than I actually do now. So, it's mildly insulting, I will admit, but yeah. um she she is going to earn significantly more money than me and this person asked me, are you okay with that? Now, I want to pause that conversation and story right there and ask you, what do you like what do you think? How do you feel about that? Cuz there is this latent Kind of idea that the man should be the breadwinner, like the breadwinner, you know, and go and and win said bread. But I'll, ne- I mean, I'll never win said bread again, unless right. you know something crazy happens, I uh, win the lottery.
1: I would say, if I'm answering that personally, I can't imagine that there's any scenario where, it, whether it's money or contributing to some chore or goal or whatever that if i don't feel like michelle and i if i'm not i don't feel like i'm pulling my weight or contributing the amount that i should be it wouldn't bother me so i could definitely see myself in that situation thinking and i think michelle and i make about the same i don't really know who makes more so that's fine but there have been times in our life where she made almost nothing there's not been a time in our life where i haven't and i know how it made her feel and it didn't i don't think have anything to do with her gender just the idea that like i'm not contributing i don't like the idea that this other person is having to make up for my failings. It's not a failing, but it feels that way. And so I could definitely see it feeling that way, maybe like, Oh, if I Mm -hmm. made different choices, then it wouldn't matter. Um, and you know, that's early marriage kind of life a little bit where, you know, you don't, you're not as established. So money's tighter maybe, but even if it's not, I think it's easy to feel like that other person is working harder because their material rewards, um, are more evident. So, as far as being okay with it, well, yeah, sure. I don't care. I mean, I don't have any kind of like, no, it needs to be me, but I could definitely be f- see myself feeling uncomfortable with some kind of gap. Cause I feel like I'm not contributing. And I do think that is tied up in that masculine identity, right? Like if you don't do right. that, yeah. it's that same kind of thing. It's not the arrogant kind of like, well, I'm better than you. I must be in control and I've ceded this control to you. It's that I feel emasculated by the fact that somebody is contributing more to me than I am losing in that hierarchy or whatever, right? Men to tend to be hierarchical thinkers anyways, and so it's like, well, mm-hmm. if yep. you know. I certainly am. So I I definitely see myself, I mean, so, as far as society is concerned, I mean, I think it's fairly obvious that it doesn't really matter, you know, as a unit. You know, you still have the same economic power or ability or lack thereof as a household, you know, um, regardless of who makes yeah, what number. I, it's, but, yeah, personally, it's, it's, I can see that being a problem, but I... If I was going to say I'd be like, "Oh no, I don't have a problem with it." But if I were to think, I'd be like, "Why well, be upset if I was making half of what Michelle was and there was a situation where we needed more money?" You know, if she made 80 million dollars, then I don't know that I care that much because
0: you know, we wouldn't right, want right. anything. So Yeah, no, that's 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 reasonable and that's understandable. I think that so the I think where this question came from was the idea of what you contribute is financial freedom Mm. right that's your contribution as a male is you're contributing financial freedom and i think in a modern or contemporary world that that's no longer what you contribute right that when the workforce is divided equally and when responsibilities at home are divided equally that you can no longer look at your contribution as purely financial and I think in many ways men kind of got off the hook for a long time because they could say well I earned this amount of money which enables us to do these things and because this capital enables X Y or Z then I've contributed to those Mm. things yeah Now, granted, they were benefiting from a system which would reward their work with capital, but would not reward a woman's work with capital. Um, And as that system continues to change, you see a more mixed workforce. So if I ask myself how I feel about it, and I think you're right to talk about in terms of total contribution. My question is, what do I contribute? Right? Right. And but even still like that's a that's a really hard question that's a really hard question because let's say like it's possible there was one semester where i taught 12 classes in a semester right and that's uh, t- to be clear that is 3 times above normal right a normal yeah, semester is 4 classes for a teacher i taught 12 that's a ton right that's a ton of classes but the truth is that If that were all going on, I would not have – if I were teaching 12 classes now, I wouldn't have the time to help around the house at all. I wouldn't have the time to cook anything. I would be emotionally drained constantly, and I would still make less than my wife, right? (laughs) Right. Now, during during the time when I was teaching 12 classes, she was working at a different job. She didn't have a law degree, so I did make more money that semester, and it was important for us. But if that were to happen now, then I would – if you were to weigh my net contribution, it would be less because the, um, how emotionally drained I would be and how unable to help around the house teaching that many classes Mm -hmm. would mean I was, I was making withdrawals from the emotional bank and at the same time, uh, uh, not earning the same financially. So if we're asking about contribution, I think that's complicated. And in that situation, I see, based on what I just told you, I see how I could think my career is less important than my ability to support my spouse. Mm. That's what I would think. And I would not, like if somebody asked me tomorrow, can you teach 12 classes next semester? I would say, no, I cannot do that because I need to be able to support my soon-to-be-here child and my spouse, Mm. right? So... There, there's the trade off, and I think what you have to accept is more what are traditionally feminine roles, right? I think you, I think you have to accept those, and therein lies the question that was asked me by this person: Are you okay with that? Are you okay with that? Which we might rephrase to be: Does your masculine identity is can it persevere or is it preserved? through the fact that these roles are changing mm. right because yeah. now it's based more on the individual sure and that sh- that just shifts everything so it is it is very hard and i'm not saying i man people are going to listen to this if if because <laughs> my wife sends this to them i'm not i'm not uncomfortable with my wife making more money than me that's not what i'm saying i am saying that it's a complicated issue in terms of how you define your masculinity and how yeah. you define your contribution. And it's something that is at least I think merits conversation of how to cope. Oh, absolutely. Well That's, I mean that, that I think is a fair statement.
1: There's a calculus
0: that goes on in
1: every social situation or relationship about how vulnerable do I be, how comfortable I am with the level of vulnerability in this relationship, you know, even even in a marriage. Right. And so that is one dynamic by which you can measure that is it, it it's a vulnerable place, maybe especially for a man, but women have been spent decades, hundreds of years, even in a vulnerable place economically, right? Right, doing Where the exact
0: same thing, right? I have to, I have to carry the or, load or of the even emotional to a greater degree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I must carry yeah.
1: the load of the emotional uh, work with little to no help, and I have no control over the economic and financial. And we're, you know, it, it's unbalanced. As it becomes more balanced, that should be a good thing. But we have, I'm sure, for women. I mean, my wife talks about this all the time, and, my, and you know my wife. She is one of the most goal-oriented people there is. She mm-hmm. played collegiate sports. She like, I mean, this is not a person who shies away from hard work or right. from. And who, you did
0: not play collegiate no, sports. No, I didn't. And nor did I even come close. You would have um, been killed. Yeah, <laughs> and
1: so you know, she is a woman who very much has knows her capabilities, is able to, you know. Put them towards a goal and achieve those goals, which sound it's so general that it sounds like it doesn't mean anything. But I think a lot of people are like, well, that's a big deal (laughs) to do that. And so she has a desire for a career. But we had our son and she was just like, I feel guilty that I don't I don't want to stay home with him and not guilty that I can't, but guilty that I don't want to right it's that weird thing it's like i don't want to be a stay-at-home mom there's nothing wrong with it she didn't want it for herself but she still felt guilty i'm like who's telling you that you need to do this well no one was
0: every well no, everyone is though but but also everyone is right isn't the isn't the tv trope that the mom who works is the one who like doesn't know her kids and then the nanny that they've hired is the one who's actually close to the kids like that's the trope so on the one hand no one's explicitly saying it but on the other hand it's it's certainly implied i think culturally it's implied that if you are a woman who spends a lot of time at work that it's because you don't care about your kids which is an absurdity because if you buy into that that means that every single man who worked a factory job or worked you know a, a sales job from the 20th century from the beginning of the 20th century up until the 1980s or so right that man didn't care about his kids, and that's not an assertion I'm willing to accept.
1: No, not at all. But it,
0: but it does exist, though. That's sure. what I'm saying is, it, do, yeah. is it does exist. No, that, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, does. but like no,
1: no actual person in her life. It's just this thing that's out there, and to me, that's the, the reorganizing and the balancing of roles within a marriage. Now, obviously, if you're not in a marriage or if you're a single parent, it you just add a whole lot of other things into the mix. But you know, I think in a vacuum or devoid of a specific topic. Most people would say, hey, is a balancing of resources or, you know, a b- measured and calculated and equal approach to this situation from all the people working on it probably a good idea? Not that there's no specialization, but, like, everybody kind of contributes equally and we're willing to pick up slack when one sure. person, can't, you know, and just balance yeah. those. Most people would say, okay. And then all of a sudden when we say, right. okay, it's male and female, it's man and woman, it's husband and wife, it's like, whoa, how do we navigate this? And I think it has a lot to do with vulnerability and – Men don't have as many skills and as much practice with being vulnerable, whether it's because women have been made vulnerable when they didn't want to be or because they've been allowed to talk about their vulnerabilities or because, mm-hmm. again, some combination of those things, they've had to learn to deal with it more effectively than a lot of us have. Not all of us, obviously, but a lot of us. So I think you get into the situation specifically we're talking about where there's a an imbalance in financial contribution and – all those other contributions it kind of fall to the wayside. Right? Yeah, and you feel uncomfortable, and you're re-navigating yeah. things, maybe if you've been raised one way, and even if you're not, even if you're the person that wants it to be equitable, if it's, it, you know, there's nothing, again, wrong. Specialization is what has allowed our species to flourish and conquer the planet, right? You grow <laughs> the not,
0: corn. We're not Robert Heinlein. We're yeah. not critiquing specialization as an <laughs> right. idea. Yeah, right?
1: you grow the corn, and I'll build the buildings, and he'll write stuff down so we remember how to do all this when we're dead, and our children ha- don't have to relearn it, and now we have civilization. This is a good thing, but we get in these contexts and it's like, no, it's not okay for you to pick up where I lack and for me to pick up where you lack, Um, which is just a weird, it, it, it's, when you examine it that way, it seems insane that we wouldn't do it that way. But then when you talk about your feelings- It does, doesn't it? You know, you don't. Right? Like,
0: we don't, we, we're not hunter-gatherers. We're not, like, <laughs> Cro-Magnons. We're, we're not walking around with, like, hand axes trying to, like, bludgeon a deer to death after running after it for 40 miles. That's not what we are anymore. And we st- I, I feel like we still rely on those definitions, though. We still rely on the, the social structures that were there because that was the reality. There's a really fascinating book by a woman named Sarah Blaffer Hurdy, named Mothers and Others that talks about some of the early development of human beings. And uh, um, specifically, there's a chapter on caloric contribution. Right, to children. So there's a massive caloric investment for uh, children, for infants, mm. to get them to the age where they can actually give something back because human babies are so useless for so long, right? Most it's, babies, amen. like yeah. in the animal kingdom, can right? you know this intimately, yeah. But most babies can walk like a minute later. Like if you've ever seen a video of an iguana giving birth, it literally gives birth to something that drops onto a branch, grabs it, and then starts walking around to go eat, right? Can you imagine a human being in the same category? Like, I've been, I'm born, and like and the second I'm born, I'm like, by the way, I need a sales job at A&G. Just yeah. let me get a phone call. Like, that's, the, that's the, the equivalent. So for human beings, there's this period of like 13, 14, 15 years before they can actually give anything back, and that's crazy. So she's talking about the incredible caloric cost And if you're in a pre-industrial society, if you're in a pre-modern society, if you have to run around and, like, find a bush with berries on it to feed yourself, then giving any calories to a useless infant is a huge cost. And she talks about where those calories come from. And part of where it comes from, and this is in the definition of hunter-gatherer, is from hunters, right? If you kill a woolly mammoth, like— there's 80,000 gajillion calories. I don't even know what to call it, right? That you can give to the tribe and feed everyone. And that's great. But the number of times that those hunters were successful is very low. So if you're only relying on that, you would die. So like 70% of calories would come from gathering. And this is like consistency versus high risk. And as bizarre as it sounds, I feel like that consistency versus high risk standard lasted from pre-literate human beings all the way until like modern times, like maybe the last few hundred years and specifically right. the last 40 years. So we're enduring a change in the structure of society that is thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands or more years old, right? Yeah. That's weird. It is, is very weird. Is that not weird. weird? Am I crazy? No, is, is, you're that, not. Is that not just, like, abundantly weird?
1: Yeah, you're not. You so think bizarre. we would be able to cut each it's other so a little bizarre. bit more slack when someone says, I'm not entirely sure how to feel about or navigate a large dynamic shift in what's been the status quo for a really, really long time. Um, right?
0: Because it's yeah. just a really long time, but, like, all of human yeah.
1: history. I have to jet, and by the way. Sorry to interrupt. Um, oh,
0: no, no. You're
1: fine. Yeah. So... Thank you for this. We will do it again soon, hopefully, and not spend as much time getting me set up on how to do this
0: since I've now done it once. Um, yeah, no, we'll absolutely do this again. We'll we'll be back shortly. There should be, by the time you're listening to this, two other podcasts that are slightly more polished and organized for you to listen to. Lord willing, they will be. I'm Grant Vickery, talking with my good friend whose name is? Grant Overman. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Grant, you have anything to say before we uh, sign off here? No, I'm just
1: saying thank you for all of our dear family members who were forced to listen to this. And anyone else who stumbles upon it by accident, um, thank you for making it all the
0: way to the end here. Well said. Thanks, everybody. This has been our first episode. This podcast is called Two Dads Named Grant, and we'll see you in about a week.